today on Ag News Daily. There's a lot of excitement happening in the ag and food space when it comes to innovation. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from this is, you know, whether it's on the livestock side, we had, there's some really interesting sensor technology that's coming out um, on animal farm management. Hey, listeners, welcome back. Tuesday on the Ag News Daily podcast. We are sitting here November 7th, 2023. Delaney, good to have you back. Thank you. I'm here and ready. I'm sure our listeners are more excited than I am. That's uh, saying a lot to be said. So looking forward to hitting some headlines. Not a lot of weather news. We had pretty quiet weather last two days recording uh, as well as today. We just have more conditions that are white ripe for wildflower. Wow, that's an early morning tongue twister, Delaney. Ripe for wildfires, not flowers or wild. Uh, certainly just going to explain expand that area that has low humidity and strong winds. National Weather Service is stating that now the Texas Panhandle in northwestern New Mexico are included, as well as southeastern Colorado. They're forecasted with those sustained 20 to 25 mile an hour gusts of wind up to 40 miles per hour. Relative humidity in those areas will drop as low as 10 percent. Those gusty winds plus relatively low humidity like we've been talking for much of the nation yesterday is what causes those wildfire conditions to become optimal. Winds in Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota could see gusts of up to 40 miles per hour later this afternoon. Of course, as all of this system moves through, there are small chances of rain, Delaney, but not very high and very large. Well, Tanner, we also saw some rains over the weekend in South America, more specifically Brazil. They got weekend rains anywhere from a half an inch to two and a half inches. And in some areas, even noting up to almost five inches of rain over the weekend. The soybean planting that's going on in Brazil, of course, then is due to maybe see some replanting as that wet weather pattern in Brazil continues to mix with cooler temperatures. A lot of analysts are suggesting that, especially in the Mato Grosso area, which has been hot and dry, areas outside of that could see some potential replanting of soybean acres. As we look to the map, Tanner, especially the southern parts of Brazil have been pretty hot and dry. And certainly could use some rain, but now it's the question of are they getting too much rain? Uh, Excessive rain in the southern areas of Brazil will take a break this week, but will likely return again next week for another four to eight inches of rain. It's certainly becoming clear now, Tanner, they don't need this much rain. They needed it sprinkled out throughout the growing season. But uh, typical rainfall for this area is about seven inches in November. So this is certainly above normal rainfall and precipitation, and this is going to prevent some elevated risks heading into the growing season here, especially as we think about potential replants. That's the big one here that folks are going to be watching to see how that impacts this year's Brazilian crop. Absolutely. Yeah, our Market Monday conversation, we had good detail there as to what is going to cause uh, potential issues going forward. Crop progress report came out as of November 5th, 81% of corn in the top 18 corn producing states is now harvested. That was up 10% from the week prior and is now back ahead of the five-year average, which was usually at 75 or 77%. 
USDA also says soybeans are 91% harvested in the top 18 soybean producing states. That's up from 85% the week before and ahead of that five-year average, which was at 86%. So getting closer to the harvest finish line there, Delaney. Of course, it'll be interesting to see how the wheat market shakes out and what acres are getting planted. USDA, however, says that their predicted winter wheat acres are 90% planted in those top 18 wheat growing states. That's up 84% from the week prior and slightly ahead of average. So we went, Delaney, from being at average or a little bit behind last week to jumping back ahead due to those good weather conditions that we've been having. Well, Tanner, I'm going to take us back down to South America here for a second because Argentina has had an exciting past couple of weeks with their election. They hit the polls earlier end of last month in October and therefore ran into a runoff election, which is fairly common in South American states, as we saw that happen last year, of course, in Brazil as well. But pollers and voters will take the polls once again here in just a couple of weeks coming up in the, in uh, mid-November here. And there's a couple of presidential candidates that they will have the ability to vote on. Two of those presidential candidates that will be in the runoff election will be libertarian candidate Javier Malay and economic minister Sergio Massa. Now, why this is important, Tanner, is uh, this presidential candidate and president here in the near future is going to be walking into some very challenging hot waters as Argentina's inflation is now at triple digits. I read something last night, Tanner, that said they're at upwards of 125% inflation. Of course, here in the United States, we're somewhere arguably about around 8 to 10%. So uh, unbearable inflation going on there. Of course, as it relates to agriculture, We've seen Argentina in recent years here seeing trucker strikes, farmer strikes, shortage of crops due to farmers holding those crops. And this incoming Argentinian president is going to have a lot of challenges as they step into office. And the other big question, of course, is are these two candidates clean candidates? Because we know that Argentina has also been very well known for having political instability and uh leaders that are not always maybe uh, have the best of intentions, Tanner. So this is certainly creating havoc down in Argentina and is really uh, bombarding the South American news cycle right now as we head into that runoff election here in just a few short weeks. Interesting. I have not seen that headline. Thanks for the update there. We did have reports of chronic wasting disease being found in a brand new location. Four-year-old Doe was reported in poor condition with all the symptoms in Clucking Township of Omipa County, Michigan. So recently, this deer was tested and tested positive for chronic wasting disease. This is the first CWD positive wild deer from the county, and this was confirmed through the University of Wisconsin's Veterinary Laboratory in Madison. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects white-tailed deer and has been spreading throughout parts of the Midwest. Michigan has been the hotbed for uh, it in most recent years. Michigan counties Clinton, Dixon, Eaton, Brayton, and Hillsdale, Ingham, Iona, Isabel, Jackson, Kent, Midland, and Malcolm have all reported cases within the last 12 years. However, when you find new chronic wasting 
parentheses in brand new location it now calls for intensive surveillance so this may put a damper on a couple of areas delaney for those that are out hunting this time of year it's important for wildlife disease managers to understand how these cases can expand and transmit to other animals so this is where they're also calling on those that are out hunting this year to be extremely diligent especially in Michigan, but all around the Midwest, to keep your eye out. Even if it's not the prized deer that you harvest, if you see something that could be alarming, to make sure that you report that to your local DNR. So a couple of updates there for our listeners that are hunters. Well, Tanner, I'm down here in Oklahoma City at the um, American Bankers Association's annual meeting. And heading into 2024, Agricultural bankers and lenders are a little less concerned about inflation due to a recent survey done between ABA and the Farmer Mac Group, but they said instead, that was a mouthful, not sure that made sense, but anyway, instead of inflation being one of their primary concerns heading into 2024, they're more uneasy and ranked higher farmer liquidity and income, and they said that's going to be the primary focal point of lenders heading into 2024. They ranked inflation still as being a top concern, but the third biggest concern, as they said, you know, last year at this time when they were holding their annual convention, the Fed had interest rates at about 3.75%. Today, of course, we're at 5.5% and still may have yet to come as far as raised interest rates. They said they're uh, working really diligently with farmers and their farmer customers to see how they can potentially monitor and help with that liquidity and income issues that are bound to come as 2024 is expected to be a lower year as far as commodity prices go and input costs are expecting to remain relatively stable or at these elevated levels, Tanner. So certainly not a lot of positive outlook here at the American Bankers Association's convention, but I think it's realistic of the landscape that is shifting here in agriculture. Yeah, I think it's across many industries, but definitely a focus on the ag side. Just going to hit some Gaza and uh, Russia-Ukraine updates. Israel has intensified their overall security responsibility for the Gaza region. They are looking to get to that post-war period where they can continue to monitor and manage that area. During the private session, they failed to reach a consensus on the drafted resolution for halting this conflict through the UN Security Council. There is no agreement at this point, says US diplomats. And uh, unfortunately, that puts Secretary of State Anthony Wilkin in a poor spot as he stated that he had been making progress in the whirlwind of the Middle East to hit the goals that have been established. However, we are looking at ongoing fighting. We also saw concerns coming out of Ukraine because as of right now, there are discussions that they will not hold their March 2024 presidential election, stating that during this time period, they are focused on the war efforts and it would be a terrible misguided effort of attention if they focused on presidential elections, nominations, and the process of following following through with that. There's a lot of scrutiny coming in stating that Zelensky just wants to hold his position, which is why he's stating that they should stay in and not change leadership, potentially change leadership in March. This might now activate martial law as we look through what their 
democratic, uh, democratic system is put together. We see NATO allies criticizing the suspension of the CFE treaty with Russia pulling out of that itself. And Russia is continuing to look at strengthening its relationship with Central Asia with a visit to Kazakhstan. So uh, continue to keep an eye on there. Obviously, both areas are still seeing fighting uh, and death toll is continuing to increase. But those are some last headlines for me today. Yeah, that's interesting about Zelensky mentioning that about the presidential election. I can certainly see it from both sides of the coin. Having someone that's been in office remain in office does make a lot of sense and could be the target of continued strikes if they do host an election. But of course, that calls into question if that is a democratic uh, advancement or not. But uh, Tanner, the other thing I was going to mention here, just monitoring exports heading out of Ukraine in the Black Sea region. Some fresh data released yesterday does show that exports are indeed moving, however, at much lower levels compared to last year. So they're trying their best to get a product out of the country, but uh, not going very well, of course, as they continue to see increased airstrikes and uh, ground strikes as well. But Tanner, nonetheless, as we hop over to take a look at the overnight markets here today, Things are pushing a little bit lower. December corn down four and a half cents in the overnight at 473. November soybeans down three pennies at 1301 and a half. And in the wheat pits here, the Chicago December contract is two and a half pennies lower in the overnights at 573 and a quarter. Hard red winter wheat in the December contract down four and three quarters cents at 641. And December spring wheat down just a half a penny this morning at 728. Of course, a quick reminder at where livestock closed yesterday, an ugly day for the cattle complexes. December live cattle shed $2.55, closing at a buck eighty-one thirty-two. January feeder cattle closed $3.32 lower at $2.36.42. And December lean hogs added $0.65 cents on the board yesterday. We'll open this morning at $72.40. Tanner, let's kick it over to today's interview conversation. Well, I'm really excited to be talking to two young people today who are very focused and current on what some future innovations for agriculture may be. We're talking today with two innovation interns for the Next Generation Innovations Impact Study for America's Cultivation Corridor. I'm joined today by Ella Hommel and Cody Koberg, both students at Iowa State, who are wrapping up their innovation internships with America's Cultivation Corridor. Ella and Cody, thank you both so much for joining today. Of course. Thank you for having us. So Ella, I'd love to start with your background and then Cody, we'll get to yours as well. But you're both students at Iowa State. Tell us a little bit about what you're studying and what your future career path you hope to have look like. For sure. So I'm a junior in agricultural business with a minor in political science here at Iowa State. I'm originally from Grundy Center, Iowa, so the central part of the state. Um, And I'm looking to uh, attend law school and then um, work in the agricultural field. So I grew up on a row crop and hog farm, and I want to kind of help the industry as there's so many policy changes that we're seeing coming up. Fantastic. Uh, Cody, what about you? Um, Yeah, so I'm a senior here also at Iowa State, majoring in agricultural business and international agriculture um, with a minor in finance. Um, So I'm originally from eastern Iowa, Durant, Iowa. Uh, Grew up on my family's row crop farm and cattle farm. Um, So plan on my future long term, I guess, is going back to that, going 
uh, to my family's row crop farm. So uh, I guess kind of looking into the future, kind of seeing the different innovations and things that are happening in agriculture. So I can, you know, take those on and implement them into, you know, being a farmer and taking on the next generation within that. Um, but I guess right out of college, my plans are to go back home um, and I'll be working for a bank near home. So those are my plans. Awesome. Well, those are very exciting plans for both of you. Um, very, very interesting. I love hearing where your future is headed and that's coming up for both of you here pretty soon. But as you look at the current innovation internship that you're wrapping up for America's Cultivation Corridor, Cody, what has this internship entailed? Yeah. So um, to start out, we um, all met and started, um, we had a project of looking at different innovations for different areas of agriculture. So um, our different sector was for inputs. So things that go into um, either animal production or crop production, anything like that, um, those kind of inputs that go into it. Um, so we all worked on researching different innovations, but also throughout the past few weeks, um, we've been touring different facilities or meeting different people of different companies. Um, to learn about kind of agriculture and what they're seeing innovations that are happening or innovations that are taking place that they um, are doing. So we've kind of really seen a really broader um, all around impact of kind of different agriculture innovations, anything like that, um, to kind of really broaden our perspective on things that are happening and kind of where the future is headed. Um, and then also just com um, some communications trainings, too, that we've had in uh, the past few weeks as well to start sharing our experience to other people. Yeah, and as I understand it, you guys have done a little bit of media training, but this might be one of your first interviews you've ever done so far. So really excited to have you on the podcast as one of those first opportunities. As you look at the word and think about the idea of innovation. I think that that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Ella, from your perspective, what has innovation really meant to you during this inter internship? I think that, I think I would associate that word with exciting and there's a lot of excitement happening in the ag and food space when it comes to innovation. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from this is, you know, whether it's on the livestock side, we had, there's some really interesting sensor technology that's coming out um, on animal farm management and, um, and as well as on the crop side, whether it was so many different biologicals coming out and uh, different ways to innovate and do more with less. So I think for me, a lot of the innovations that we got to see this semester were super exciting. Okay, Ella, I'm going to put you back on the hot seat. What was the most exciting innovation you saw during your internship? And Cody, I'm coming to you next. So you got a little time to think here. One of the ones that really blew me away was power pollen. Uh, we did some really good research into what they're doing and uh, how their process of collecting pollen from right now it's corn plants, but I think they're looking to expand to wheat and other various crops, uh, but they collect the pollen and store it. They have a proprietary process where instead of the pollen only having its natural lifespan of about an hour, they can store it for about a year. Uh, and then they can reapply that pollen at the optimal time and really increase yields. And it's a great risk management tool. So power pollen was absolutely one of the ones that was most exciting. Cody, what was the most exciting one that you saw? Yeah. So um, Ella and I worked together and Power pollen, I would say, was um, one that we were both super excited for, but um, one also that kind of stuck out to me, I mean, power pollen obviously is 
kind of the one that really focused me in. But another one I was um, researching and seeing into their innovations was uh, carbon robotics. Um, they came out with a machine called the laser weeder. Um, basically, it was just a pull behind tractor machine that would um, use like AI technology and have like these different camera sensors that could identify the weeds in a field, um, differentiating from the actual crop and basically zap the weeds with um, this kind of like laser and it would be able to kill the weeds without having to use any sort of chemicals or um, uh, things like that to, uh, to kill those weeds. So it was kind of a more or, um, environmentally friendly way, I guess, of going through um, the weed killing and uh, that kind of process. So um, I thought that one was really interesting. And we also saw a lot of different innovations looking into um, kind of more biological or nature, I guess, um, made um, insecticides and herbicides. So um, yeah, just kind of the environmental slash sustainability aspect of innovation. So as you guys were going through it, I understand you also did some research and survey collection data to kind of help set the stage for pulling it all together. When you look at maybe some of the takeaways you had, how are you going to take this information and really use it to propel you and launch you into your law degree, uh, Ella, or back onto your family farm, Cody? I think that one of the biggest uh, things that I took away from the survey is, and this would apply to uh, law school in the policy field as well, is perceptions and how people think about ag, you know, what they associate with it. And one of the things that last year's survey saw is that a 46% of students believe agriculture is, quote, sustainable, um, but 84% believe that ag is, quote, more innovative. So while ag is seen as being really innovative, we obviously have some work to do on that sustainability piece. So I think getting a good feel for uh, how people view ag and what you know connotations different words have uh, in that industry, I think it's really interesting to see what our peers uh, here at Iowa State are thinking. Yeah, and I think um, obviously, like I said, going back to the uh, to the farm and going onto that route. Um, just the fact of using these innovations um, and seeing them. So whether it's the way we plant our crops or harvest our crops or the practice between, um, I just think that, you know, agriculture is kind of the number one growing industry and in the fact of changing things to be more sustainable, more environmentally um, friendly and um, anything like that. And I feel like also, um, kind of what Ellis said, they're like just the perspective. Not a lot of people understand um, kind of the agriculture, like how it works, what we do. So being able to um, take those back into, you know, my actual process of being on a farm and doing those, but also hopefully being able to advocate and uh, speak to the future of um, innovators or the next generation of, you know, agriculture and what it's kind of heading to and things that we can do and all those kind of things, just from what I've experienced through this. One of the most surprising things to me was almost every single one of the innovations that we researched, so about 20, almost every single one had a sustainability element to it or um, working to be cleaner or greener. And so there's a lot of focus, a lot of capital and a lot of value being placed in that sustainability area in ag right now. And it was just surprising to me to see 
how much emphasis there is on creating that next generation of innovations in agriculture. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate each of your insight into your internship here as an innovation intern with Americans America's Cultivation Corridor. I think you guys are both you have a, you both have really bright futures ahead for you and I think this internship probably will hopefully help propel those careers as you step into the next phase of your life, but thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Well, there you go listeners, wasn't it glad to have aren't we glad to have Delaney back with us again? Looking forward to another show tomorrow morning, so don't go too far. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.